Don't listen to the naysayers. Don't listen to the people that doubt you. And you know what? If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But at least you know that you tried it and you won't have that regret. Along this journey, you're going to meet a lot of people. You're going to learn so much. And so maybe this will just be a little stepping stone to the bigger journey. Welcome to Better Together with Kosti Epifonsiv a podcast on parenting, business, and living life intentionally. We're here every week to bring you thoughtful conversation on making your own path to success, challenging the status quo, and finding all the ways we're better together. Here's your host, Costa Yepafonsif. Hey, y'all, this is Costa, and today I'm here with my guest, Diego Alvarez, founder of Royal House of Cheese and the Upper Cumberland's first and most beloved charcuterie artist. After serving in the U.S. military as an Air Force medic, Diego returned to civilian life with a newfound appreciation for entertaining, serving, and creating unparalleled edible creations. Today, we're talking about how to start with nothing and finding opportunity in impossibility. Diego, thank you for your service to our great nation. For anyone who doesn't know about your background and personal story, can you tell us about your journey up to opening Royal House of Cheese? First and foremost, thank you for having me. I'll give you a little background story on me. We'll go way back. Yeah, start at the beginning. So I was born and raised in San Diego, California. My grandparents were actually immigrants from uh, Mexico to the U.S., and they worked in Los Angeles at a chicken factory. My mother and all her brothers and sisters are all born in L.A. Before they got to middle school, my grandparents decided to move back to Mexico. They built their own house with the money that they made here. And my mother was raised in Mexico. Well, whenever she got pregnant of me, of course, it'd be dumb for her to have me in Mexico. So since she's a U.S. citizen, she had me in the U.S., I was born in San Diego, but my mother still lived with her parents in Mexico. So I lived for four years of my life in Mexico with my mother and my grandparents. It wasn't until I was about to start kindergarten that my mom decided to move back to San Diego so I can get my education in the U.S. I remember when we first got here, I would go to school and my mom got a job as a custodian as a janitor in the San Diego school district. She was a sub janitor. So they would just place her wherever they needed her. And I remember I would be sitting in class and I would look out the window and I'd see my mom and she would be pushing the mop cart and she would see me and we'd smile at each other and she would wave and I would wave back. And um, I didn't know this until I got older, but we were dirt poor. You know, we were brand new in this country and we didn't have much. I remember, you know, my mom would always just cook at home. Usually we would have like rice, beans, tortillas for dinner. And then um, I remember we would go to Jack in a Box and we would get two tacos for 99 cents. So that was like our going out, you know. And it's funny because nowadays there's no Jack in a Box here in Cookville anymore. But when I go to Nashville, I had to stop at the Jack in a Box and having my 99 cents tacos. I love it. Because it's just so nostalgic whenever I buy into them. And, you know, my friends make fun of me. They're like, why do you eat those when you're sober? You know, usually that's like (laughs) drunk food. And that's what I ate growing up, you know, along with other things that were affordable because we didn't have money. You know, eventually my mom met my stepdad, who is from Birdstown, Tennessee, and he was in the military. He was stationed down there in San Diego, and that's how we ended up here. What was it like moving to Cookville after living in San Diego? Well, when I moved here, I was in high school, so definitely culture shock, and I instantly noticed that I was in the minority, 
and going into junior year at Cookville High School, I mean, all these people had known each other for years. They grew up with each other. They had their cliques, you know, and you know how high schoolers can be. And so I was kind of an outcast. I didn't really fit in. So it wasn't the easiest transition. And as soon as I graduated high school, I said, I kind of want to get out of here. And so I joined the Air Force and I left. So you went to the Air Force, come back. And what started the journey of you wanting to become an entrepreneur? Was there an inflection point or some type of inspiration that made you want to follow this path? When I came back from the Air Force, I continued working in the medical field because I was a medic in the Air Force. And then I got a second job as a bartender and server. And I noticed I was making more money doing that. So I kind of, you know, left the medical field. I knew that I was going to be working in restaurants forever. So I knew that I needed something else. I needed to find my true passion. Then I kind of stumbled upon it. It was kind of an accident. I was working at Outback Steakhouse at this time. And, I, you know, I was having uh, some of my coworkers over for dinner. And I just got tired of the cooking and the cleaning. So then one day I had already invited everyone over and they were bringing the wine and I did not know what I was going to cook. And I really didn't feel like cooking that day. I was kind of, you know, being lazy. So I had seen on social media, Instagram, Facebook, you know, Pinterest, this cheese board charcuterie trend. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm just going to go ahead and make one of those. And it was probably the ugliest cheese board you've ever seen. I mean, I'm pretty sure there was like jelly beans and Cheez-Its on it. (laughs) But my guests loved it. They were like, we like these cheese boards. You need to continue doing them. So I did. And they got better and prettier. And then before I knew it, you know, my friends are like, you really need to start a business. I'm like, no, no one's going to buy my cheese boards. Like, who's going to buy my cheese boards? And they're like, no, you you need to. And I really enjoyed it. I love the entertaining and the cooking and the decorating and the whole presentation and the aesthetic part of it. I love it all. I so, found my passion. From the time that you started to the time that you actually opened your business, how long did it take? It took about a year. Okay, mm-hmm. nice. Now, how did you start this business without any loans or any type of capital? I mean, you technically bootstrapped this thing from the ground up. So how did you accomplish something like that? Because that must be extremely difficult to do. Oh, it was. It was definitely not easy. And that was one of the reasons why I was afraid of starting a business, because I knew that I didn't have much money. You know, I didn't have that capital. So what I did is I just started saving up money that I made from bartending and serving. And then little by little, I just started selling these cheese boards. And then with the money that I would make from those cheese boards, I would buy more ingredients to make more cheese boards. And then when it came to marketing, I was just using social media. So I didn't have to spend any money on that. My work just kind of sold itself. So the money that I was making from selling my product, I was using that money to make more product. And then, yeah. So literally all the money that you made, you just put right back into the business. Exactly. And how has your business evolved over time? Well, I've been getting more recognition for it, more exposure. My cheese boards have been getting better. I've also got inspiration from social media and found new things that I could sell. Like, for example, mini cheese balls, trail mix, chocolate smash hearts and things like that. Things that they kind of go along with my business when it comes to the aesthetic, the whole bougie, you know, aspect of it. You know, what's interesting is you grew up in California, probably at the most pivotal moment in your life. You moved to Cookville, which is like a 180 right? And you've had so many different journeys, I guess you could say, in such a short amount of time. If you could go all the way back to when you were 15 years old, what would be one thing that you would tell Diego at 15? I would tell 15-year-old Diego to keep going 
to not listen to the naysayers, the people that doubt you. Don't listen to the bullies or the people that chuckle behind your back. Just don't give up because it gets better. What do you think is the hardest part about being in high school in Cookville, brand new, literally just plucked out of California and dropped right into Cookville, Tennessee? What do you think is the hardest thing? Trying to fit in. Yeah. You know, especially like I said, most of these people, they knew each other already. They've grown up with each other. You're the new guy. Um, So I was just trying to fit in. Now looking back, I'm glad that I just kept on being myself and that I just kept on doing my thing. It's interesting because that same type of dynamic is played out with adults as well. You know, when you move to a new area, especially a small town that doesn't have a lot of people sort of moving to it. Now, granted, that's changed now, but back five, 10 years ago, that wasn't the case. It's hard to break through. Those clicks are tight. I I totally completely understand exactly what you're saying. For most of your career, you've navigated multiple jobs and a wide variety of responsibilities. How do you face these challenges? And what is your best strategy for time management? This is something I learned when I was in the military, especially as a medic. Whenever you have a patient in front of you and they're dying, you have to think, what is the thing that's going to kill them first? Is it the bleeding or if they're not breathing? Is it that? You know, what is it? So you kind of, you know, prioritize. And even though now I'm not dealing with people who are injured, you know, I'm dealing with cheese now. I still use what I learned. What's the most important thing? Go ahead and knock those out. And then, you know, just prioritize everything and list them. Most important things on top, get those out of the way. And then, you know, all the smaller things later. At the same time as running this business, you're also working, right? Are you sleeping or have you given up on that notion altogether? Yeah. Uh, something had to go. And so sleep was one of them. <laughs> Sometimes eating is another. <laughs> I'm just constantly working now. You know, my business is doing well. So I just focus on that. But I'm also working still as serving and bartenders. So, you know, I'm just juggling everything. A time there, I had a third job. Last year, before COVID, I was translating over at the urology clinic. So I was serving bartending, running my business and translating for Spanish speaking patients. I had so much going on. So now I'm only dealing with two of those things, but you just got to keep going, you know, and you'll sleep later. Exactly. Right. So, I mean, when you're working as a server or in the food industry, do you feel like you gain some type of inspiration that you apply to your business? Oh, for sure. There, I also learned a lot about time management and also prioritizing, you know, okay, I need to get this food out first because it's hot. Then I need to go get their drink. Then I need to go get that ranch that I forgot for table seven, you know, so you just prioritize that. So that helps me out a lot with my business. Also, the whole customer service. The whole customer is always right, which I've always been like a people pleaser. I use that in my business as well. And so the things that you learned as an employee, because I'm assuming if you would have decided that I'm going to open up a business right out of high school, because a lot of people do that. They say, okay, you know what? I'm not going to work for anybody. So I'm going to just, you know, be an entrepreneur. I'm going to drive a Lyft or an Uber, be my own boss. Right. But the fact that you were an employee and you had to work with other people and you had to meet the expectation of whoever your supervisor was, that gave you a lot of insight into what it takes to run a business. Oh, yes. I've had 
had many bosses, anywhere from restaurant bosses to sergeants in the military. So I've learned a lot about being a leader and what it takes to be a leader. I would never make someone do something that I wouldn't do myself. That's great. So I learned a lot from that. And I learned a lot from all my coworkers I've had in the past. How not to be a bad employee and how to be a good employee, you know? Right. So yeah, a lot of my past experiences have helped me. And I feel like I'm ready to be a good leader. Diego, give me your best advice for someone who wants to start a small business. I would tell them to just do it. And I probably sound like a Nike commercial, but follow your heart and you have to follow your intuition and what your brain and what that voice inside of you is telling you to do. You know what you have to do. And if that's your passion and if you're really wanting to do it, then just do it. You know, don't listen to the naysayers. Don't listen to the people that doubt you. And you know what? If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But at least you know that you tried it and you won't have that regret. And even if it doesn't work out, Along this journey, you're going to meet a lot of people. You're going to learn so much. And so maybe this will just be a little stepping stone to the bigger journey, you know, really where you have to be. When you were starting this business, did a lot of people tell you that you were crazy for doing it? Most people encouraged me, but I feel like some people, yeah, they're probably a little worried, like, is it going to work out for him? You know, are cheese boards going to be a thing in Cookville? Is Cookville ready for that? Sure. And I'm just curious because I was listening to a podcast recently and Sarah Blakely, who created Spanx, had said when I was starting my business, I didn't want to tell anybody about it, uh, especially my friends and my family, because they were going to be the ones that are the most critical because they're the ones that are the most concerned. So did you have kind of the same dynamic when you told your parents or when you told your closest friends, were they the ones that were the most critical or do you feel like it was people that maybe you weren't as closely associated with? Oh, definitely. A lot of my my friends were concerned to like, they just worry about me, you know, and my parents, I tried to kind of like not tell them. And then <laughs> it kind of just happened. Mm-hmm. And then my mom noticed that I was posting a lot more and that was selling. And then I think that's when they're like, oh, okay, well, it's obviously working out for him. And now they, you know, they support me, but my parents have always been very supportive. So that's good. I don't think they would ever try to stop me from following my dreams. Now you've been really effective at social media posting, like you said, um, obviously Obviously, you're a great networker. What do you think is the best way to promote a new business? Social media, for sure. Like I said earlier, it's free. So use it. Any tools that are given to you, use them. For me, I'm really good at talking with people. I'm really good at building rapport with people and connecting with people. So networking is a huge forte for me. So I use that. Luckily for me, I'm I'm a single. I don't have any children or even pets or plants at home. So there's (laughs) nothing waiting for me. So I use that time to go out and network and meet people and promote my business. And so networking and social media for sure are two of the things I use the most. I have used billboards and I have used radio and they work as as well. But I feel like if you're good at talking to people, use that to your advantage, go network. So what I hear you saying is that the return on investment from social media and from networking is so much better because you're not spending, you know, a couple of hundred dollars on newspaper ads and radio, which like you said, works. But if you're able to bet on yourself, which is kind of what you're saying you're doing, how much time do you actually spend networking throughout the day? I mean, is it like a daily thing for you or do you take an opportunity to talk to anybody who's willing to listen? 
Oh, definitely. I'll be at Sam's Club or I'll be having dinner with someone and I just see somebody that I know. I say hi to them and let's just say they're with someone that doesn't know who I am. I introduce myself. I tell them, oh, Royal has a cheese. Here's my business card or I have a website now. Facebook, Instagram, follow it. Any time is a great opportunity. How much of your business comes from those types of interactions? A lot. Yeah. I don't know the exact percentage, but you say a majority. Oh, yeah, for sure. Nice. Networking is important. With regards to social media, you know, you're starting out and obviously you're very successful now. So social media is just fire. Right. But when you were first starting out, were you ever worried that you were going to put out your work and people were just going to literally like blast it? Oh, for sure. You know, it's human nature to worry about what other people are going to think. And even though, like I said earlier in the past, I just kind of try to block out the haters. It's still hard, especially whenever you're about to post out your work. And for me, my work is like my babies. You know, I'm about to put them up there for the world to see. Of course, I'm afraid of these people that are going to rip my ideas to shred, you know, and just talk bad about it. But at the same time, the opinion of a couple people, you know, I can't let that stop me from reaching my goal or my dream or where I'm going. You know, I just got to keep my eye on the prize. You know, what's interesting about this conversation is you have been preparing for this moment, kind of building your will, so to speak, your entire life. And from one immigrant to another, I feel like this is the American story. It's interesting because so many immigrants become entrepreneurs. Now, you know, a lot of them run just very small businesses, you know, have small shops and things like that. But there's something about being different being an outcast. The same thing can be said for people that are poor is they're not in the same kind of groups that other people are receive the same opportunities. And so you have to push and you're constantly having to tell yourself that it's going to be okay. And so everything that you're saying now is coalescing into the success that you're seeing. Yes. I mean, I wasn't born into a family that is well-known or into that privilege. I had to work for everything that I have, and it's not easy not really being from here. And I am still a huge believer in the American dream and that you can reach your, your dreams by just working hard. You know, a little bit of elbow grease goes a long way. And if you just don't give up and you keep on going, and that's kind of like the message I'm trying to tell people, you know, if I can do it, you can do it. And you just got to keep on going no matter what. Is that the most important lesson that you've learned as an entrepreneur? Yes. There's just going to be so many obstacles, so many things that pop up that you're not expecting and you just got to, you know, deal with them. Yeah. Diego, what's next for Royal House of Cheese? I definitely want to expand more. Um, I feel like Cookville knows about Royal House of Cheese now, uh, along with some of the surrounding counties. So the Upper Cumberland. Once I'm good here, I would like to maybe expand maybe into larger cities, maybe Nashville, maybe Knoxville, which I have done some work in both of those cities. But, you know, just kind of see if Royal House of Cheese can migrate. Are there other businesses in, in Nashville and Knoxville, like metro areas that do this type of work? Oh, yes, for sure. I mean, the whole charcuterie trend, it's all over the place. It seems extremely convenient to hire someone, especially someone that knows what they're doing, to make charcuterie, you know, cheese board. So I can totally see how it takes off. Are you worried at all about these ebbs and flows that we keep facing from COVID and how that's going to affect people gathering and your business? Is that something that keeps you up at night? At first, when the whole pandemic happened, yes, of course, I was I was nervous. I didn't know if my business was going to make it because it revolves around people getting together and sharing food, which is a 
big no-no when there's a pandemic going on. But, you know, I've survived and I'm doing good and I feel like it can only get better, hopefully. Yeah, that's very good. So we always like to end the show on a high note. Can you tell us one person who makes you better when you're together? Well, I've never been with this person, but they definitely make me better. Whoever uh, invented coffee (laughs) or (laughs) cultivated the coffee bean for the first time, Uh, because without it, I don't even know if I would survive, especially as an entrepreneur. Uh, But anyways, I'm kidding. All jokes aside, my baby niece, she just turned one on December 5th, and um, I love her. To me, she's like almost like my baby, even though she's my sister's baby. I like today I get to see her and I'm like really excited. It's the highlight of my day, even though I do like being here. And thank you for inviting me on to your show. But yeah, I just she makes me better and she just kind of makes me want to work harder so I can spoil her. <laughs> thank you for joining us on this episode of Better Together with Costa Yepafonso. If you enjoyed listening and you want to hear more, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Leave us a review, or better yet, share this episode with a friend. Better Together with Costa Yepafonsiv is a Costa Yepafonsiv production. Writing and production by Morgan Franklin. Want to find out more about Costa? Visit us at costayepafonsiv.com. We're better together. <laughs>